Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries with James Myers. In this series, we are observing men and women in the Bible, what we can learn from them, and observing God's constant faithfulness in the lives of His people. Today we consider the first of two messages regarding Joshua. We discuss his inauguration by his master Moses, his commission by the master of heaven and earth, the crossing of the Jordan River, and the memorial stones. We hope this message serves to edify the church. Okay, so Joshua, we're considering the first part of Joshua. We're going to do two parts. I mean, there's a lot in the story of Joshua, really, with his conquest of all of Canaan and the distribution of the land to the 12 tribes, which we are not going to consider. Uh, we are going to consider Jericho next week, God willing, and Rahab. So we'll, we'll see kind of the beginning of that conquest and how total it is and how God acts in conquering these lands. It's for his purpose and his purpose alone. Joshua, I happen to be somewhat of a fanboy over. I, I, I really, really love uh, Joshua. I've talked about servants and men and women through the Bible, how you can only, you know, you see these little faults, you see these problems. With Joshua, it's really hard to find one. There's this time where he's tricked, but there's, it's really hard to actually pinpoint great sin in Joshua. He's kind of the exception. And let us also recognize Joshua is the same name as our Lord, Yeshua. He has the same name. And later there's actually a high priest, a very faithful high priest with the same name, Joshua. So again, in the fulfillment of what God has done in the Old Testament into the Yeshua to come, the, the Messiah Yeshua, we have a deliverer, a general, you know, Joshua, and we have a high priest, which again was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who is delivering his people into the promised land. Okay, and so Joshua was the general, and we've talked about that. He was, he's the general par excellence. He's the general of generals. You think of generals throughout history. Most recently, like General Patton or Eisenhower or go back to Julius Caesar or to the Civil War with Robert E. Lee. Thomas Jefferson Jackson, Stonewall Jackson, kind of be, I was a fan of Stonewall Jackson. He was actually a very faithful Christian. He would say, just like Joshua, the battle is ours, but the outcome is God's. He was a very faithful Christian. But Joshua exceeds all of these in his military exploits, but really because God is leading him in and through all of these. Okay, so what we're going to look at today is Moses inaugurating him, and we'll get to that here in a second, and then God commissioning him, and then we'll, then we'll consider the story of them crossing the Jordan, uh, which reflects the crossing of the Red Sea, but we'll get to that here in a second. But I also want to, before we consider the, the account of Moses inaugurating him, I want to talk about Moses here shortly, because we talked about, you know, that, that ended up being a longer consideration and study of Moses than I had originally planned, but I did want to talk about the giving of the law, which, you know, under time constraints, we weren't able to do. So I'm just, I just want to say we were going to have another series specifically for the giving of the law. That's, there's so much there, so it's hard to give a succinct little, you know, account of it anyway. So that's just going to have to wait for another time. Uh, but this has to do with Moses transferring his authority over to Joshua. Joshua was a faithful, 
faithful servant to Moses. All of the people, we know, even his brother was a problem. There were basically, you see in these, this account, or in the account of the Exodus in the wilderness, there are basically two faithful men, uh, Joshua and a man named Caleb. Uh, really briefly, uh, Moses sends out two spies to uh, check out the land because they have to conquer this land. And they all come back. It, they, he sends a bunch of spies out and they all come back and, and they're talking about the Amorites are huge. They're going to destroy us. No, we cannot go into the land. And only Joshua and Caleb brought, you know, foods back. And they said, this land is flowing with milk and honey. They were the ones who were faithful to God. God is saying, go in and conquer this land. And they go and, they go and spy and they see the obstruct, they see the problem and they forgot about the power of God. But there were only two, Caleb and, and Joshua, who were faithful. So, this is the transference of authority over to Joshua. By this time, Aaron had died, and his son Eleazar became the high priest. And he's a very faithful high priest. So, as it transfers from the, the, the wilderness wandering to the conquest of Canaan, it, 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 everything kind of changes. The people change. Remember, the generation had to wander, that generation had to pass away in the, in the wilderness before they could go to the promised land. So the generation is completely different. This one is completely different. The men, the leaders are completely different. The people are less inclined to complain. You will see in this story, though, where God commands that destroy all the people, men, women, and children. We will talk about that next week. Uh, God willing, but go in and possess the land, destroy everything, all of the livestock, everything. Do not, you know, make treaties with the, them. Do not worship their gods. And you will see in your own study, because again, we're, we're only going to get to Jericho, that they do. They end up, they're tricked into making one treaties, but they, they do make these treaties and start worshiping their gods, which... Which ends, which ends up being syncretism throughout the history of Israel. We've talked about syncretism where the, the Yahweh is ultimately their top God, but they end up worshiping all these other gods. They you know, that's what syncretism is. You use other uh, religions and just kind of infuse them into your own. And Israel was replete with that over, over their history. Um, Judah, the tribe of Judah, the kingdom of Judah, was less inclined, but you see that there too. But, so, let's consider the inauguration of Moses to uh, Joshua, and we'll talk about this shortly. We'll talk about this shortly, we'll talk about the commission of God fairly shortly. Uh, what we're focusing mostly today is the crossing of the Jordan. Okay, so, again, chapter 27 uh, of the book of Numbers, verse 12. Now the Lord said to Moses, go up into this Mount Abarim, and see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. Okay, now we're going to stop. So remember, we've also talked about God is not saying, um, and, and see the land which I'm going to give you. You know, uh, go up into this mount and see the land which I am potentially going to give you if you go in and get it. He is saying, and see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. I have already given it to them. It is just yours to go get. And we've talked about how that, what that means, especially in the lives of the Christian. Again, the promised land for us ultimately is, is in the presence of God. Our promised land is heaven. All right. So basically, it's there. He's already given it to us. 
it awaits for our uh, inheriting it, uh, for our actual, uh, actualizing and living there and inhabiting there. So it's, it's the kind of the similar thing. God is saying, I've given it to you. Okay, that's important. And when you have seen it, you also should be gathered to your people as Aaron, your brother, was gathered. For in the wilderness of Zin, during, uh, during the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against my command to hallow me at the waters before their eyes. Remember, that's when he struck, struck the uh, rock instead of speaking to it. These are the waters of Meribah at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. That was an alternate name of it instead of Merah. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the con congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. This, again, is the heart of a faithful me mediator, a faithful minister. Moses know he's knows he's going to die, and he, and he is determined to set up a minister in his place who is faithful when he can trust before he dies. And so he's praying to God, please give, give, give a leader here so that these people are not like sheep without a shepherd. You see that throughout the, the Bible that's spoken of with Jesus. He has great compassion over the people because they're like sheep without a shepherd and all this kind of, but you see that throughout the Bible and here's one place. And the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, real quickly also, uh, Joshua's name used to be called uh, Hosea, uh, which Moses renamed. So Hosea means just salvation, just stands for salvation. Joshua means Yahweh is salvation. So it gives the, <laughs> the source of salvation, the cause of salvation, which when, if we take it to Christ, since Yahweh is I am who I am, in you know certain grammatical way, you could you could say in Jesus it's, it's truly saying I am salvation in Christ. Christ saying I am salvation, that being His name. Anyway, so His name was changed. Uh, Moses had changed it, just like Jesus had changed a lot of His apostles' names, and we see we see that throughout the Book of Acts where they're given surnames and all this kind. Of, okay. Um, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the spirit, he, and lay your hand on him. And we've talked about that, laying on of hands. Set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and, and inaugurate him in their sight. And you shall give uh, some of your authority to him. So some of your authority. Because again, he was a great mediator. God has said, I'm going to raise a prophet like you, but Joshua is not him. Okay, Joshua is going to be great. He was going to deliver his people, but he is not you. So he is going to get some of your authority, which means some of the miraculous powers too. And some of that did not transfer over. We will see many signs and wonders, but it is far more clear that it is God himself doing it and not Joshua, where that was less clear with Moses, simply because of the role that Moses was meant to uh, fill. Um, okay, so some of your authority to him that all the con congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. He shall stand before Eleazar the priest who shall inquire before the Lord uh, for him by the judgment of the Urim. That was in the tabernacle and just, just, in, just in front of the most holy place. You would make decisions there, basically. You would cast lots. There are many different things there. So at his word, they shall go out and at his word, they shall come in. He and all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. So again, he's just making him leader, complete leader. 
so Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and set him before Eleazar, uh, the, the priest, and before the congregation. And he land, laid his hands on him and inaugurated him just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. So again, he, Moses had inquired of, of, of God to please find a man, set, raise up a man. And God says, I'm pretty sure you knew this whole time it was going to be Joshua, but go ahead and get, get Joshua out here, set him before Eleazar, have Eleazar inquire of me, and inaugurate him. Proclaim that he is your new leader. Okay, let's jump to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua's right after Deuteronomy. <clears throat> Treats. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. So let's just stop there. Again, Moses is called the servant of the Lord. He's a faithful servant of the Lord who was called to serve for God's purpose. Okay, so in the epistles, in all of the epistles, especially uh, Paul, he calls himself a bondservant of the Lord Jesus, of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Bondservant is truly a slave because God Christ has bought him with his blood. He is truly a slave, a willing slave, a happy slave. Again, when you're a slave, bought, when you're a paid, bought slave, you actually are part of the family. It's one thing to be a hired servant. That one wasn't part of the family. You wouldn't need to be circumcised. You weren't, you weren't allowed to take the Passover and all of that. When you were bought, you were truly, we can't think of slavery as we, we think of it now. It was actually, in, in certain times, it was, it was somewhat hospitable. I mean, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't, you know, subscribe to the whole slavery thing. However, we have to understand within the, within a historical context, there were times where it wasn't what we imagine it to be kind of a thing. These people, when they became slaves, they were, they were part of the family. So anyway, that's what Moses was. So we can't just think of this unwilling person forced to do this labor he otherwise would never do. We saw that Moses was reluctant just because he didn't think that he was capable, right? That, that's why he wasn't saying, no, I, I will not be your slave because you're an evil master. No, God is the, one, the greatest master of all. And so anyway, so it's important. This again translates into the rest of the Bible as well. And now Joshua is going to be the servant of the Lord. It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, so this is the first time God speaks to Joshua, straight to Joshua. We've heard, he's spent his whole service to Moses, a faithful servant, hearing what God's saying by his master, Moses. So, and, now, and then he was inaugurated by his master, Moses. Now he's being commissioned by the master, you know, to his own purpose. So now his master directly is God himself. And so God is now speaking to him, just like Moses did. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, also, I do want to say, too, Moses is the only one who God himself buried. We don't know where he was buried. Just so you know, in the story, God himself had a burial ceremony. Moses and God were very intimate together. That's, in, that's essential to recognize the mediator of the Old Covenant as it applies to the mediator of the New Covenant. Jesus Christ, obviously, 
God the Father and God the Son's you know, relationship was far more intimate. But we have to understand, we, we cannot see these as abstract and kind of separated deals. This is far more intimate, far more familial than, than I think it's, it's just uh, considered on the surface anyway. Okay. So now, therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them. Again, so land which I am giving to them. The children of Israel. Okay, so arise, go over this Jordan. Now, but because we're, we're going to consider this here now. Okay, so the Jordan at this time, this is the harvest time, basically. So a lot of people, okay, good. So a lot of people consider, because this account is, again, reflective of the Red Sea account. Now, that one was a deliverance from, right? There was a deliverance from bondage, from their enemies. Pharaoh's pursuing them, right? And, and he separates the sea. They are, they are safely, all of them safely. Jesus also says, not a one, not one that you have given me I have lost, except the son of perdition. And he goes to where, you know, that's obviously Judas. The same thing happened with Moses and all those people through this Red Sea and the, the Jordan River. Not one was lost. Not one was lost. And that great horde of people, millions of people, not one was lost. Anyway, so that was deliverance out of, right, from their enemies. Now this is the deliverance into the promised land, but now they are going into the land of their enemies. We will see when we get to Jericho, that is like the citadel of Canaan. That is the first protective place to, to stop an intrusion, to stop an invasion. It's got a great walled city and all that. So, you know, first of all, so they get to the Jordan, and it's very, very, very deep at this time. We have to understand, too, because the, the priests are, are going to have to step into it. The Jordan, basically, it, it, archaeologists say, where they had crossed over, it's not like a gradual entrance into the river. When the water's up, it, it's a quick, and they have steeps. Basically, if the priest were to walk in, he'd fall straight down. It's not a gradual, you know, walk like a lake or, a rip, you know, or, or an ocean or anything like that. But at this time, the harvest, it, it overflows. We'll see it. We'll see it even says it overflows on the banks. So it's at least shallow enough for them to step into the river right there. However, we have to recognize God is telling him, go over this Jordan. He's got to be wondering how, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he, he knows this is coming from God. So he's waiting to hear how this is going to be done. But also, we also have to recognize the enemies on the other side know they're coming. Every one of them. We'll see with, with uh, Jericho, because we're going to skip the, the account of Rahab in chapter 2 and consider that next week. However, they all know what's coming, and so Jordan is kind of a protection. So he, here's God, basically. He, he, he had delivered them out of Egypt. He made them wander for 40 years, and say, saying, now go and, and take the land that I have given to you. And here they come up to the Jordan. Now it's like basically God had taken all the trouble, gone through all the trouble to get them out of, out of Egypt, and they're, they're right on the threshold of the promised land. And now there's this natural barrier, another huge, great amount of water that millions of people cannot safely travel through. You've got to think of the currents. It's not a still, peaceful sea, you know, it's a river, you know, and it's, and it's huge, though. It's huge, so it's going to take a long time, and you cannot pass it except by this miraculous event, or a huge boat, which they didn't have. So, so that's a real quick uh, preface. 
All right. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. What an amazing promise. He's saying, he's saying, I'm not even telling you where this territory is going to stretch out. I'm not getting into those details right now. Everywhere you walk, every step you take, everywhere you go, that is your land. That I, am, I have already given to you everywhere your foot steps. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That's key. That's key. You saw what, how I was with Moses. The same, I will ju be just as faithful. I have not changed. And I will, uh, I will be just like that to you. Um, yeah, okay. I will not leave you nor forsake you. See? Remember, this is, this is his promise that he continually gives to his people. This is a wonderful promise. Again, he's, Joshua is called to lead the people into the promised land and take it over. And now he's called to go, pat, go over this Jordan. Okay, and so he's, he, he, this is a great comforting word from God. This is our aloe. This is our comfort. This is, this is what we rest upon. We are powerless without this promise. This is a wonderful comforting promise for his people. Be strong and of good courage. Remember, this is just like what he told Paul. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Okay. For to, this, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, so be bold. Remember in the book of Acts, with their boldness and their witness. So be very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. So again, the path is straight, the path is narrow, the path of Christ. The path is straight. Do not wander a little slightly to the left. Do not wander oh, oh, left. Do not wander slightly to the right. Okay, go walk the narrow path. Keep your path straight and pray God He keeps you on the straight path. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. There we go. We must meditate on his word day and night so that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Again, the, the, the word of God is our shield and our sword. It's also our power. We don't know. We, we, we have less ability to follow God the less we are in his word, the less we are even in his word. You can hear all this stuff. You can, you, can live, you can keep on doing this now and forever. You will, never, you will never have the power to do according to all that is written in it. I mean, period. But ultimately, unless you meditate on his word day and night, just like uh, the psalm said, Psalm 1. Okay. For then, you will make, uh, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare, pre prepare provisions for yourself, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, so again, he's, he, he's saying, you prepare yourself. In three days we are going. Prepare. Now, prepare. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke. So they, their settlements are, are actually on this side of the Jordan, where they are now. And so these, these are, on the, are already established. Uh, but they still have to go in and help their brothers. That's the key part, which is, is, is mentioned throughout uh, the Pentateuch. Um, yeah, and so, and to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest, as he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. So again, he's just, they're just, he's just saying, all the men of valor, all the men of valor are to cross over and go with, with us to conquer the land. You know, we are all in this together. Okay, Israel is one and we are all fighting for the same cause and then we'll divide the, the territories. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So they answered Joshua, saying, All that you command us, we will do. See? You see the change, the change of the hearts of these people. All that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we, will, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your works, and all that you command him, shall be put to death, only be strong and of good courage. We've talked about that, though, again, to, to, to go against, that, that, would, that would be, again, we'll go into this even more in detail next week, but this is a call from God to all of his people, specifically to Israel at this point, and they are called to, to a great, great calling of devotion to God, as perfect as they can be. And so if one wanders and is determined to wander, that person is to be cut off from the people, just like they are to be cut off from the church. But in this sense, this is ultimately a holy war that's going on. We are not called to do this right now. We are called to go into dangerous areas. I mean, some people do end up going in dangerous areas and, you know, risking their life. But we are not called to wage a holy war. But that is what's going on here. So we have to understand the context and the absolute sovereignty of God also, and, and, and his authority and his, uh, his power and his might. He, he determines what's to, what's to come to pass. And so if he says all the people must be destroyed because the, the sins of the Amorites are now at their full, remember when he was promising uh, Abram that he was going to give this land and he is going to have descendants, he says but it's going to happen 400 years after their oppression for the, for the sins of the Amorites are not yet full. So he waits. He waits. He is just. He is gracious. But ultimately, they come to this gross and wicked place, which we're not far from in this world, and he judges and he destroys. He will, his grace is infinite. But when the measure of evil of men get to a certain height, he will have them destroyed by his wonderful grace. But he, because he is good, 
Not because he's evil, but because man is evil. So it's a righteous judgment. Anyway, okay. So let's jump up to chapter 3 and we'll consider the, cross, the actual crossing of the, of the Jordan. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the, the, priest, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from, from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. I know we haven't really talked about the Ark of the Covenant, but this is basically God's throne. Okay, and so they're, they're going to take the throne of God, basically the Ark of the Covenant, into the river. The priests are. They're the only ones who are allowed to bear it, you know, to carry it, or to touch it, anything. And even those have to be selected. But anyway, so they're going to go into the river. Now, now don't go near it. You've got to take, what is it? Uh, how many cubits? 2,000 cubits. That's basically like half a mile. You've got to stay like half a mile away from it. So the, the, the Jordan, and we'll see, the Jordan is divided by a great expanse. It's not like just this little narrow passageway God makes. He, he creates a huge heap of water on this side. Anyway, so he divides it greatly. There's a huge expanse uh, for this division, but the people are supposed to pass by far away from the ark. Okay, Some of them are allowed to come and find rock stones to set there, which we'll see, but it's just important to recognize that. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So again, this is when they're saying prepare, in three days prepare, now it's tomorrow. Sanctify yourselves, which would have all sorts of purification deals, but again, basically he's saying, Tomorrow is the day. Get ready. Just like Christ says, be ready. Always be ready. Always keep on watch. Never. He talks about finding, finding a servant sleeping or in all this other stuff, which we don't have time to get into, unfortunately. But so, always be ready. Always be ready. But especially go, going toward the time. Tomorrow is the day. Get ready. Okay. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that you may know that, I, that, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Isn't that wonderful? It's what an interesting thing of God. God is not just doing this to exalt himself. He's going to do this to exalt Joshua to confirm his authority. I'm going to confirm you are the leader of this people, and I have called you for this purpose, just like he does into all of his faithful ministers. You know, there, there is a certain je ne sais quoi, there's a certain something about this man that, that, that compels a, a, a believer to come under, the, under their ministry. Same thing God is doing for uh, Joshua, but more specific, obvious, obviously. So this day I'll begin to exalt you. Okay, so verse 8. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So again, that's just, just to go back to what I was saying, the waters would, were over the banks, and so they were able to step in this part of the water. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Real quickly, so this is the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. 
we will see, because we talked about when we were looking at monotheism, we will see that, that um, the other nations really do kind of a, have this henotheistic worldview where their God, their God is specific just to their territory. Like they have, you know, every nation has a God. Israel's nation, or Israel's God, is giving them a nation, but he is the God of heaven and of earth. That differs in, in, in great, great detail to many of the ancient uh, religions. Just a point worth making. Um, okay. Okay, take for yourself. Okay. Uh, behold, the ark. Okay, yeah. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So he stops the waters and makes them basically a wall, like a dam. He makes a dam right in the river. A huge dam. He just cuts it off. Um, okay. So, but he's, he's saying, choose 12 men to go, uh, to go here. Uh, so it was, when the people set off from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the, before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. There you go. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the... Of the uh, Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry land until all the people had, completely, had crossed completely over the Jordan. So the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord are, is, are standing in the midst of the river while, the, remember, when Moses, Moses basically stretched out his hand, he stretched out his hand, and the waters were divided. Here's the different means. God is also showing the people, look, the authority is also through the priesthood. Okay, I, I, this is my ark. This is my throne, who they are called to bear. You know, they are called to carry. And so you are called to follow them as well. Okay, now, okay, uh, chapter 4. So this has to do with the memorial stones, which I, which I want to get into. And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from, from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the, feet, where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. So the, he, he wants to set up a memorial. He wants them to set up a memorial on the other side where they dwell. So that after they cross over, so they're supposed to go get 12 stones from where the priests were and, and then take them to the other side where they're dwelling to make a memorial, a lasting memorial. They make two. So let's look at the other one. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom uh, he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer that, them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. So, 
He has them. He also has them carry these huge stones into the river where the priests were, and to set up the monument there in the river, so that when the waters came back on occasion, when it was somewhat shallow, you could see it. You could see the stones, and then you had the the other stones, the memorial on you know on shore, and so what the purpose of that is, just like the Passover, just like the Passover, when when you sit to eat and. And the, the son is supposed to ask, what does this mean? I love the King James Version, actually. So uh, it, when, when they asked, what do these stones mean to you? It actually, the, the King James is, what mean these stones? I just like it more. It just, it, it conveys more of, what is this? Why, what, what, is, what do these stones mean? What do these stones mean? And same thing as Passover, it's for the father um, to say, then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a, for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. I've spoken about, obviously, the whole Bible is, is about the faithfulness of God. The book of Joshua is specifically, at least more specifically, about the faithfulness of God. So this is a memorial that the people are called to leave, to point them back, just like, remember Jacob anointing that stone he used as a pillow. Right after Noah was delivered out of the ark, he built an altar. The people of God always set up these monuments. They always make a memorial they, they, so that they never forget in time and space of an amazing act of God. And that's why I just continue to implore you, whenever that happens, anoint it with oil, remember, set up a memorial, set up something to where you remember all the time, where if you see something, you know, and you don't have to wait and, and look for it, but, but you see something, it points you back to the faithfulness of your God, which will engender greater faith and greater affection for your God. Okay, verse 8, And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. I mean, this is just kind of funny, because this is one time where the critics jump in, and they're like, well... Here's a contradiction. Where, which one was it? Did they set up the stones in the river or did they set it up where they dwelt? Well, the answer is yes. They, they set it up on the place where they dwelt and they set one up. They, there are two memorials. I don't know why that's so difficult. Anyway, so verse 10. Are they still there? Uh, the ones in the river, yeah, I suppose they are. So the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had, spoke, had commanded Joshua to... Okay, real quickly, too. One thing I find fascinating uh, with this account, obviously this is God's miraculous work that is separating the sea like that. But there are actually three recorded times in history where this account has actually happened. One in the 13th century, and two, actually, in the 20th century. I think is late. I think the most recent one was like in 1927, which lasted for 21 hours. So again, which, which all started with an earthquake. Now again, this is a miraculous act of God. I just find it fascinating in, in the historical context, in context that this actually has happened. We have seen this happen. Well, people have anyway, and it recorded it, and it lasted long enough for millions of people to pass over. So it's just one of those things that, um, that's useful to know. Um, 
Okay, so the, the priests who bore the ark stood in, stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people. According to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men, men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh stood, I mean, sorry, crossed over armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for, the, for battle to, to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted, exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the Ark of the Testimony. To, it's the same thing, the Testimony and the Ark of the Covenant. You'll see that even the Tent of Meeting is also called the Tabernacle. So these different names. Uh, so, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass that the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. So real quickly also, since, since Joshua is the leader, the priests are also not meant to move until Joshua says go. Just like we've seen throughout Acts in the Apostles, when Paul and Silas were in the prison, and there's a great earthquake, and everybody's bonds are loosed, and all the prison doors open, None of them flee because God had not told them to go. Same thing. The priests will not move until they're told to move. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones that you shall, tell, that you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Again, so this is the purpose, and he's pointing them back to the Red Sea as well. So again, this is, this is supposed to be a memorial. Because this is the crossing of the Jordan into the Promised Land, but let us not forget that great deliverance, which has many same reflections, you know, many same depictions, you know, both of them are crossing bodies of water. But this memorial is to point back to also the deliverance out of bondage, to point back to out of that deliverance, out of slavery, and, and ultimate freedom out of there, now into the promise I had made to your fathers forever ago, and now is coming to pass. So, that's all we're going to consider today. But as we move into next week, into considering Jericho, I want us to remember this account. I want us to consider the account of the Red Sea and all of those, the, the feeding of the bread, the feeding of the manna, the bitter waters made sweet, all that God is doing, all that God is doing, and all that He had promised, and all of it is being fulfilled. And we'll see throughout Joshua, he, they can, the people continue to say, and it, and it happened just as the Lord God promised, just as the Lord God said. This is about God's faithfulness. It has less to do about Joshua as it does to do about God. But again, that doesn't make people irrelevant. Joshua is instrumental. Without Joshua, we don't have this, okay? 
but ultimately it is about the faithfulness of, of God in these people. But let us, let's just recognize that this, this authority, Joshua, most of his life was a, as a servant under the servant of God, Moses. And now he's promoted to be the servant of the ultimate awesome master of all of heaven and earth. And we will see his faithfulness. And next week we will consider the prostitute Rahab uh, finally. And I'm just really excited to talk about this uh, and, and the story of Jericho, which I know is generally uh, kind of fairly known. You know, there's walls coming tumbling down, but we'll talk about that in the way that that happened in the miraculous way that God even delivered Jericho into their hands. All right, praise God. Let's pray. Any questions? From my back. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I praise you for your abundant provisions and your constant, infinite blessings the work that you do and the, and the lives of your people, and you are pleased to do so. Father, I ask that you lift up your name in all of our minds, hearts, and souls. We might lift up praise to you. Be our wonder. Be our constant meditation. Be all that we look toward. Be our light. Be our guide. Be our shepherd our light. Praise you without end. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we ask you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sea of Fire Ministries. We hope and pray this has blessed you in your walk with God, and we hope you join us again next week. You have been listening to Sea of Fire Ministries, where the Word of God is life.